0: Hello, and welcome to season one, episode five of Speak Up Please. I'm your host, Martin Lovell, and today we have a new guest. Her name is Mirabai Rose, and she's a psychotherapist from Canberra. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, good. Just a bit tired, but I'm good. No, that's all right. Um, yeah. Well, firstly, I hear um, congratulations are in order for your engagement.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah,
0: it's pretty exciting. We're getting married in three weeks. Oh, nice. And um, <laughs> how long have you guys been together, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Oh, not long. So maybe hmm, a year and a
0: half? Oh, yeah, that's not too bad. So I guess mm. we must have um, found each other quite soon. So that must have yeah. been a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, so that brings me to my first question. Tell the listeners a little bit more about what you do and how it involves the LGBT plus community.
1: Mm. So I am a psychotherapist and breathwork practitioner and I work in private practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with largely victims of crime and trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, a large amount of my work is also with people working with life meaning and their spiritual life and their spiritual journey. Yeah. And quite a number of the clients I work with identify within the LGBTIQA community particularly people with a history of trauma or coming out Mm -hmm. um, trauma as well as um, transitioning so supporting people through gender transitioning
0: yeah sure um so why don't you branch a little bit more on um are there any stories i guess that sort of resonate with you in terms of people who suffer with trauma or that uh, stand out to you i guess uh since your career has started
1: Um, yeah, I can't really talk about it specifically, but broadly in terms of, like, I couldn't share any specific stories, but broadly in terms of theme, what strikes me as, um, I guess what strikes me the most is the longevity of trauma for the queer community and, um, particularly what strikes me is current trauma. So I think a lot of the media and even within our own community imagine that trauma is in the past of um, or generational. And actually what's most striking for me is present-day trauma of our community coming out or transitioning. Okay.
0: Um, so I guess that brings me to my next question. So why do you think people are, I guess, afraid of coming out? Do you think there's anything in particular that could, you know, make them afraid to be who they are?
1: Mm. Um, so I guess I mean there's there so people are afraid to be who they are, and then they're also afraid to come out around that, and they're two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all know that there's largely been historic discrimination and abuse in our community, yeah. um, but there's also generations now of internalised homophobia, which makes it very difficult for people to even come out to themselves. Okay. So the folks that we, you know, work with and in our community have to wade through a lot of debris to be able to come out to themselves and to other people in a really safe way.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Well, I guess that brings me to my next question, do you think? So I have a friend, uh, for instance, he's bisexual, um, but he still feels there's a lot of stigma around bisexuality and that 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 is not being spoken about as much as sort of homosexual um, awareness. Do you think that's an issue?
1: Mm, I think, yes, I do. Um, I think the issue arises Um, I mean, I think that's one issue. Definitely bisexuality hasn't been talked about enough. It isn't taken seriously in the mainstream, like in straight community and as well as in queer community. So it's definitely a a problem of discrimination in the mainstream and then within um, queer community. But I also think it's a problem uh, or a result of the umbrella that we've given ourselves, the LGBTIQA, where we seem to be skipping over really important identification within that acronym. Okay. And it's causing a lot of problems So people can't truly, I guess, um, uh, they're not being identified as such. So, for example, as bisexual. Yeah. And I think that um, it's causing a lot of problems.
0: Okay. And do you feel that's the same with um, trans issues as well? I realise that's quite a difficult subject on its own, but do you feel that's kind of within the same topic as bisexuality or do you think it's more within its, um, you know, it's it's own issue to deal with?
1: No, it's very different again, you know. I mean, I think uh, everyone's identification comes with different issues, different historic concerns, and um, you've got the personal biography of that person that is identifying. So I think that if, uh, you know, if we're looking at trans issues or bisexual issues, there'll be commonalities around that and some things that are the same. But I imagine that there would also be uh, particular concerns to um, trans people um, that are very different.
0: so why do you think we say in the early stages of discovering our sexuality? Why do you think we resist? It, you know, as we're discovering it, do you think it's a psychological issue, or do you think there's more than that? Just you know, the mind. Mm,
1: can you tell me that again? I can't quite hear you. Um,
0: so why do you think we resist coming out in the early stages of discovering our sexuality? So do you think it's
1: within the mind, or do you think there's more to it than that? Well, I think aside from what we've talked about before, so for example, trauma and abuse and uh, discrimination. Even aside from that, I think sexuality is something that's discovered over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you think about the the early child and their development of their sexuality and into puberty years and onwards, it's an exploration and of not just sexual preference or identity, but in terms of what you do and don't like or what turns you on, what's sexually attractive and what isn't. And I feel like sexuality unfolds within the person over a period of time and perhaps for a lifetime. Yeah, sure. And so I think that coming out early looks, you know, aside from all the trauma mm-hmm. – is actually something that we notice with people who identify as gay and lesbian for example but straight people don't come out early either it's just assumed that they do because nothing else is spoken about um but i think you know for at the end of the day we need to leave people to be able to explore who they are and discover this for themselves Mm -hmm. um over the period of time that's right for them yeah definitely
0: i totally agree with that situation um Mm. so as a therapist um do you experience uh, difficult days and what do you do to turn the negative uh, side of your job into a positive?
1: Yeah, definitely. Some days are really tough or mm-hmm. um, well, some weeks can be really tough and um, that's just part of the job. But it's also, I think, you know, as a mum or a wife, it's we all have tough days. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't tend to turn negatives into positives as such because I don't find that particularly helpful or very honest. Okay. Um, but I do sort of sit with what I'm experiencing as being negative in myself or quite challenging Mm. and really do lots of self-care. So I I need to notice what feelings are arising in my body. Am I overwhelmed? Am I in fear? Am I feeling hopeless or helpless or or challenged by material that's coming up uh, during my working life? And acknowledge that, nourish myself, go for walks, I do a lot of breathing, so a lot of mindfulness and breathing techniques just to relax my body and my mind. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I also use gardening as, you know, getting into nature and into the dirt. And we have to use ways in which we don't engage our mind so that our body can actually process the the tough days and, yeah, the working life.
0: Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. And so do you feel... I guess there's a certain type of stigma for us to feel more lonely than, say, straight people?
1: I think that it's possibly that there's a stereotype around um, us feeling lonely. Though I I feel that... um, there's a couple of things I'm thinking of when you ask that. I think loneliness is actually universal at the moment and that humans in general are finding themselves very lonely. Okay. Um, I think if a person's able to stand in their place as a human and own their place authentically, really own and love who they are, then they're less likely to feel lonely whether they're gay or straight or trans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've got many people in the world who are scared to be themselves, even straight people. And I think loneliness is probably a human problem at the moment.
0: Yeah, sure. And I guess that brings me to my next question. Do you think um, that we get seasonal loneliness, say, you know, during the holiday season, like Christmas, um, birthdays, you know, like big occasions, say like someone's lost a parent or
1: Mm -hmm. someone's
0: gone through a relationship, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think this happens in our community, and people who've been estranged from family, um, particularly due to their sexual or gender identity, can find seasonal, uh, season celebrations really challenging and lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, heteronormative holidays can be really difficult for people, and it can increase social isolation or that sense of. Truly belonging in the world can be quite challenging, okay. and I know that many people in our community try and gather together as friends, like a friendship family, to um, uh, be supportive through these times rather than isolating. So it's definitely a problem. Yeah,
0: and I, you know, I think it's part of uh, being part of a human. Really, sometimes we go through those phases, and um, mm. I think it's just up to us to sort of realize what's going on and try to figure out how to get help and you know instead of being completely on our own um, yes so that brings me to my next question um, how did you get involved with choir and what made you want to join um
1: I joined originally with some Uh, to do something that was for me. So it was part of my self-nurturing and self-care and I thought singing was a really soulful thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was part of it. I actually, for inner nourishment... It was another part to or another evolution of my coming out process as a lesbian to connect with the larger queer community and actually be seen. Yeah. It's very different to be a lesbian in and of yourself or within a smaller community, but to be in a bigger community is a really different kind of feeling. Um, yeah, and so that's why I joined. Yeah, that's
0: great. Yeah. Um- So, which brings me to my next question, Uh, do you think that music is healing, say, for someone that's gone through um, a traumatic period within their life, uh, would you recommend people to join a group like choir itself?
1: Yeah, look, music's really healing. Um, I think using your voice is really healing, particularly for people who haven't had a voice or haven't been able to express themselves um, in their authenticity. And um, using your voice and singing and really projecting that out, I think, can be a really healing process, as well as the sense of that communal gathering and that communal voice can be such an empowering um experience for people that has a healing quality to it mm. also the making of music the words of music and the resonance of the sound is also you know it's it's really wonderful for the soul and i think that there's probably been quite a lot of research done about the healing effects of music okay yeah
0: that's interesting like as soon as i joined choir like i knew um that we i mean I Ourselves, I think we sounded pretty good from the first time I joined. So that's why I keep coming back. Um, Yeah, and you know, especially just going through, um, you know, I went through a phase of uh, feeling quite lonely, and you know, I wasn't really involved in the community myself. I was just kind of Mm. isolated, I guess. um, You know, from being part of a group. So that's essentially why I joined—is just to feel like I was part of something. You know.
1: Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's really important.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and so that brings me to my next uh, question is, do you feel that LGBT relationships, I guess, are more successful than straight relationships or do you think it's as
1: the same as mm-hmm. straight relationships? Um, I think at the end of the day, individuals probably need to work out what's successful for them and play that out mm-hmm. in, a, in a relationship. I think that the definition of a successful relationship is usually heteronormative mm-hmm. and very subjective. So it has like a sense of a stigma of being longevity or um, in particular. But uh, if we look at successful relationships, personally, I'd be thinking of things like love and harmony or mm-hmm. pleasure, um, union, yeah. playfulness. So there's, I think the the idea or definition of a successful relationship is very subjective. Mm-hmm. I think relationships have rules imposed on them at the moment, as I said, by the straight community that haven't even really been thought out very consciously, even for them. Okay. Um, and I think the, uh, the queer community are more likely to probably not self-impose those straight rules, but make them up on their own. Mm-hmm. So, And I think that's a really wonderful thing. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. We need to get to a place where individuals are actually consciously choosing what is successful for them in terms of a relationship and making their personal relationship yeah. based yeah. on that or, or working towards that rather than some ideal that's been imposed on them? Yeah. Or
0: working against it and trying to find something that benefits
1: them. Yeah. The yeah.
0: Um, so, uh, I guess that brings me to my next question. Um, so, as you work with patients who suffer with trauma or traumatic issues, um, mm-hmm. do you have any tips or advice that you can give to people who are feeling like there's no way out of
1: Current situation. Um. Let me have a think. Um. I think I would validate that at times it's actually incredibly difficult to get out of situations. If you know, if they're still in a situation of harm, we to validate that it's true that it actually is incredibly difficult and. Mm. If clients or people I work with are continuing to be in harmful situations, then what's most useful is thinking about strategies for managing their safety within that harmful context. So thinking about, okay, who's a safe person to talk to? Mm. Uh, Do I have counselling? Do I have a safety plan and emergency contact numbers? Mm. How do I increase my boundaries, um, de-escalate situations and increase my ability to flee? Basically, you know, this is the the trauma work where someone's still in a you know harmful situation where you know it is actually sometimes really difficult and uh dangerous for somebody to leave okay, yeah. uh, it's important for people to know that they have choice so that they have agency and they can ask for the support they need and there's lot of resources and services for people out there and their GP might be a place to start around that. Okay, so, yeah, but if the, you know, yeah, but if the client's not in the traumatic situation or threatening situation at the moment, then this is a really you usually it's a really good time to start looking at inner repair or doing some inner resolution so my work with clients is looking at repairing the consequences of the trauma okay. so that it's no longer impactful on their life and daily functioning okay. and you know that's one part of the the solution and the other is you know, once the repair is happening, it's time to build themselves up, mm. often from the ground up, doing therapeutic work and reframing some of the old beliefs or habits that don't serve them, rebuild like healthy self worth, self love, and inner power, um, and having really good boundaries. So, I guess, you know, people need to know that it's possible to recover from trauma yeah. and it can actually be a really beautiful process of, of rebuilding themselves.
0: Uh, find someone you trust, you would say?
1: Definitely find someone you trust and start to put yourself first. Do things that are self-nourishing, that fill your own cup so that uh, you feel inner-resourced the most and reach out to others for that external resources.
0: Yeah, sure. And the next one will be sort of rebuild and repair um, your
1: current situation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, And my next question is um, because... I do uh, a bit of social media work. Um, I notice that, you know, especially for someone like me, I do have a bit of social anxiety. Um, do you feel that social media has made it worse or better for people with social anxiety? Yeah,
1: um, I don't really have a lot to say on that because I don't. I think it's such a big co- uh, topic. I think social media—we can't blame it because it's humans who are using social media. Sure. Yeah. So, I think it's it's a forum for that humans are using whereby humans are the problem so, <laughs> um, you know people uh, talk about social media as increasing connectivity and decreasing social isolation. So I think it's got that kind of positive to it. On the other hand, for people with social anxiety,, um, uh, Or, yeah, who feel um, or who are already wounded, Mm -hmm. social media can be a source of harm, decreasing Mm -hmm. um, self-worth and can actually increase anxiety in people quite significantly. And we've seen that a lot with uh, particularly teenage children. Mm, yeah, it's quite a problem, yeah. but I think that it it's such a big issue that it's really difficult to talk about in you know in, just in a few sort of sentences.
0: Yeah. yeah, definitely, it's more of a broader topic. So I was just trying to get more of um, mm-hmm. I guess just some kind of tips for anyone you know who's uh, having that kind of similar situation. Um, okay. But yeah, I, re- I do realise it's quite a broad, yeah, you know, topic of conversation. So. That's fine. Um, so my last couple of questions are, what are some tips or advice you can give to people um, who may be afraid to ask for help? You know, what would your advice be to them?
1: Mm. Uh, I'd say that being afraid is really normal. and. Do you want to honour that aspect of them that feels afraid because it's likely kept them safe for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so being afraid to ask for help is normal, and signals of fear are really normal and important. And I'd suggest that they listen to that and have a bit of a chat with their fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what does it have to say, what's it scared of? What's the worst that can happen? And I want to understand is their fear validated? Is it rational? Yeah, definitely Or is this something that's not relevant now? and, um, you know, it's sort of like being able to disidentify with the fear a little bit to have a chat to it because otherwise the fear leads. Oh, yeah, yeah, the fear will always say, no, you can't do this. Yeah. So I'd suggest to people to have a bit of a chat to their fear and say, what is it that you need yeah. in order for me to feel safe to get support? That's yeah. really interesting. Mm. Yeah. We might talk to the fear. If the fear, you know, says that you can never, ever get support, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, funny, like, um, we yeah. might actually, you know, need to have a chat to the fear and say, actually, it's holding us back. Yeah. Getting support actually uh, will uh, is important and very gently let the fear know that the fear is actually keeping it unsafe. Mm. And we're hoping that the you know the person needs to move to a more safe or nourishing situation. So we don't want to neglect fear. We just want to listen to it and not let it lead so much. Yeah.
0: So you want to find that sort of middle ground.
1: Yeah, listen to it, be gentle with it, you know, chat to a friend, talk to them about your concerns and really identifying quite specifically what the fear needs. If the fear needs, says that, you know, you need to go slow in asking for support or Mm -hmm. um, ask a particular gender or at a particular time, really honour that in yourself so that you're seeking support in a way that's really safe and effective for you.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I wouldn't have thought of it that way. So it's like, say... I don't know you just come from a bad situation your sort of first thought would be oh my god oh my god oh my god you know what's going on what can i do um you know you're kind of talking yourself out of a positive situation whereas you're constantly thinking of the negative mm-hmm. and you know i've been guilty of that too it's like if i've been in a typical uh, situation with someone then i'd constantly just go to negative you know i don't think yeah. of, like a positive solution it's just constantly you know from like a one-sided point of view, so that's really interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah
0: it's important yeah, So the last question is um, if people want to get in touch with you or contact you, how can they do so?
1: Um, well, they can contact me through my website, which is www.risingvines.com Mm -hmm. or they might like to get in touch with their GP or some of the services that are available in in Canberra here, there's quite a lot available for people um, to access. Okay. Um, Are
0: there any sort of services in uh, particular that you would recommend uh, right off the bat?
1: Um, Oh my goodness, there's so many. there's the Domestic Violence Service, there's the AIDS Action Council, um, Victims of Crime. Mm-hmm. They're a really great service that help out uh, victims of crime to get support. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's community services, like well, uh, community, uh, you know, I don't know what they're called, they're not really a service, but um, areas of support like the choir, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, singing, um, social gatherings, meet-up groups, they're just as therapeutic sometimes as actually going to see a counsellor or a therapist. Okay,
0: yeah, that's really interesting. Mm All right, well, I think that's it uh, for today's podcast, but thank you so much, Mirabai. Thanks for offering to be a guest at such short notice. I realise that was quite difficult (laughs) to put everything together, but we did (laughs) it.
1: yep, thank you. That was really awesome. I'm glad you asked. It's a really important topic.
0: yeah definitely. And I think you know this whole podcast is um, surrounded about mental health, and I think it's an issue that we need to talk more openly about. and you know people like yourself um, would be uh, really valuable to the podcast. So i everybody thank you for doing that at such a short notice. So thanks for yep. again.
1: No, really, yeah, I really appreciate being asked. Thanks a lot.
0: No, of course. And I'll let you know when it's available to download and noise. Have a nice rest of your week and I'll talk to you later. Yeah, thank you. Yep, yeah,
1: you too. And I'll see you at choir. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> okay, bye bye.
0: And that was Mirabai's story. I hope you liked getting to know her and what she does a bit more. If you like this episode, don't forget you can leave me a review directly through the Apple Podcasts app. Simply search at Up Police Podcast and it should pop up. I'm also on Instagram at Speak Up Please Podcast and on Facebook as well. I would love to know your thoughts in the comments below. Thank you so much for listening.